So this morning we're talking a bit about pride and I've talked on this subject before and I think it's important to uh, keep it fresh because some, if, if you're like me, something that I think a lot of people struggle with on a regular basis is the stuff that we see in the media, the things that we see in magazines, the stuff that we're um, facing uh, maybe in our school environments or our social environments or our work environments, there's always this elevated idea that we have to um, be very, very proud of who we are and, and kind of retain or maintain a sort of a lofty viewing of our position and what we do and what we bring to the table. And we kind of live in a world that is full of self-promotion and, uh, you know, a world that really um, celebrates and gets excited around, um, you know, really promoting yourself or making yourself seem like a big deal or, or representing who you are wherever you go or, or even uh, being an ambassador of your own personal brand. Uh, and so there's a lot that goes on in the world today that really accentuates pride, but often what we forget to realize is that pride can actually cause a lot of problems. It can be a, a significant detriment to who we are, and it can actually give a very poor and false perception of maybe the state of the type of person we actually are inside. And so this morning we want to kind of go through some of these things, and, and I've put together some, uh, some interesting uh, secular quotes as well as some biblical quotes that I want to look at, but uh, our primary passage of focus in the Bible today is going to be James chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got the app, if you've got something around that you can open up that has got the Word of God in it, do that and get to James chapter 4. I'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version today, and we will get to that in a couple of moments. But first of all, let's take a quick look here. So Dr. John Amadeo, he is a psychiatrist. He said something very interesting about pride. He said, pride prevents us from acknowledging our human vulnerabilities. Pride prevents us from acknowledging our human vulnerabilities. This shame-driven pride makes us too uncomfortable to say things like, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I made a mistake. When pride rules, we believe we are always right, and that makes it difficult for us to sustain intimate relationships. And I like that. When pride is elevated, it brings up an interesting challenge of where does intimacy exist then when pride rules? How is it possible to have intimacy in our relationships? I'm not talking about just intimacy in the bedroom. I'm talking about intimacy or depth in the relationships around us, whether it's with our spouse, uh, in our business relationships, with our friends or our comrades. How are we able to sustain or experience fullness or intimacy in these relationships if pride rules those things, if pride is elevated in our hearts? And you see, pride can be quite challenging. It causes overconfidence, which actually blinds us to our weaknesses. Pride causes an overconfidence that actually blinds us to our weaknesses. And suddenly we become unaware of the very things that are challenges in our lives. We don't want to look at them, focus on them, even go there because it offends our pride. And it actually keeps us from growing. We actually become more, uh, more weak rather than more robust. Pride also causes self-focus and when there is a self-focus, it detracts from the ability to focus on others, and it can become quite a repelling thing to others. 
If you want to repel people like you repel mosquitoes, just spray some pride all over you and you'll keep people away pretty well. <laughs> Riker. Oh, Riker. So good. Uh, pride also causes people to reject help when they actually need it from other people. I have been there chiefly in my life. That is the number one thing that is the hardest for me. I have a hard time asking for help. It's actually a, a big challenge. Now, I've come a long way. I've learned to, I've learned to ask for help. Um, uh, I've learned to accept help when it is being offered. Not all the time. I, I'm still working on that. It's a challenge for sure. But what I have learned is you can get a ton more done when you bring people along the journey. And so I'm learning that maybe having help isn't a bad thing. It's actually pretty good. But I, I've been the type of guy that, uh, you know, even if you have to lift an entire vehicle and change all four tires and you need to get done in, in a short jiffy, I would rather just do it myself than, uh, you know, bring somebody else along. And I'm learning that that's not necessarily the best thing to do it. So pride causes people to reject help when they actually need it from others. I'm sure you can find an example in your life when you've gone through that. Also, pride is a blinder that keeps people from realizing who they actually are. And it's interesting because if we align who we feel we ought to be to what we see the world around us finding attractive, then we can suddenly be in a position where we have devalued the core of who we actually are, and we're trying to elevate pieces that aren't even a part of us just so we can try to have a position or have a voice or be accepted or feel like we're brought in. And that actually pulls away from the fullness of the character traits that God has actually put into us. That's right, we have pieces of our beings that are gifts from God that he has placed in there. And when we are too proud to have those things called out or encouraged, we can actually push down the importance that God has in our lives. So a few things, I like this. So pride, this is from John C. Maxwell. Pride can also mean conceit, arrogance, or superiority. And that kind of pride is based on self-centeredness, and it's actually destructive. Selfish pride is especially destructive to relationships. And it's true. Marie and I have talked about marriage on a lot of different occasions, whether it's here on this platform or over on that platform or in my office for This Is Life or at my home or on a camera somewhere. We have talked a lot about um, the mechanics of marriage and our relationship over the years and what we've been learning through the course of that. And pride can be very destructive to relationships because pride brings you to a position of never ever admitting you're wrong or caring too much whether you are wrong. And it'll bring you to a spot where maybe one person is right and the other person is not right, but you're constantly at, uh, at, um, um, at combat with each other because no one can make that decision to finally say, you know what, it doesn't matter. What matters is our relationship and growing together. And so pride can actually be tremendously destructive to relationships. And so it's important to make sure that when you are looking for depth, when you're looking for intimacy, when you're looking for closeness, to keep pride in check. Ezra T. Benson says, pride is concerned with who is right. Humility, however, is concerned with what is right. I like that. If you didn't hear it, I'm going to say it again, and somebody can write it in the comment section. Pride is concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right. Okay, married couples, how many times have you gone through that? 
How many times have you gone through that where you are just having it out with, oh, I'm just looking all high, honey. She's just, she's looking at me. I can see her just smiling at me. Yeah, I, I love you too, sweetie. Uh, so, you know, here's the deal though. I mean, that, that is so common, right? In, in our marriages, in our relationships, we get it so stuck in our heads of I need to be right. I need to die on this hill. I, that's it. I'm not going to surrender a bit of ground on this one. But at the end of the day, who cares? At the end of the day, does it really matter? Does it actually really, really matter? Or is it just your pride that's being stung? Because once you learn to swallow that pride a bit and have some humility and realize that, you know what, I can't take myself too seriously, I'm kind of just a joke anyway, then, you know, really, it, unless you can do some of those things, you can have some challenges in the intimacy of your relationships. This is an old Jewish proverb that says this, pride is the mask of one's own faults. And I like that. Pride is the mask of one's own faults. We'll get to some other interesting quotes here in a moment from, uh, from some other great, reader, or great leaders and thinkers. But I want to take a look at what the Word of God says. You've probably heard the classic phrase, pride comes before the fall. You've heard it everywhere. You've probably heard your teacher say it or your parents say it. Maybe it's on one of those inspirational, motivational photos that's in your dentist office with an eagle soaring over a mountain. I have no idea. But you've heard the phrase before. It's been around for a very long time. But it comes from the word of God. It actually comes from Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. And it says, it says this, pride goes before destruction. And there's something interesting about that when we elevate our positions and we elevate our sense of self and we think we really are that great and that wonderful or the things that we're doing are that great or that wonderful and we don't have a level of humility there, we can wind up in a very difficult situation quite quickly and typically it leads to something that can't be undone easily or at all. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but when there is humility, there is wisdom that's from Proverbs 11, verse 2. And I like this in Romans 12, 16. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but rather make a choice to associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And I think another way to look at that is make a decision often to surround yourself with people that you can serve. Make a decision often to surround yourself with people that you can serve. When it comes to leadership that we see represented in the gospel, good godly leadership, uh, and that's talking about, you know, bringing your families through seasons or whether you're leading a group or an organization, there is something very, very important about making sure that you hold a position where you can actively serve. Because when you choose to serve, when you choose to make yourself low and meet people's needs and come alongside them in their lowly positions, there is something crucial about doing that because it helps you realize just how much there is to be thankful for when you do reflect upon the graces that you've been afforded in your life. But it also helps you remember that there are needs there that you can affect. And you get to actually be the hands and feet of Christ in a serving position in the world around you. So, With all those pieces out of the way, I would like to take a moment to dig into James chapter 4. Because a lot of what I'm talking about, we can draw from this 
passage in the Bible, and I think it's so fascinating. If you haven't heard me say this before, I'll say it right now. Um, if you don't know where to start in the Bible, start at the book of James. And I don't say that just because it's my name. I'm saying that because it, there is a lot of good stuff there. And I would encourage you to go and read through it. It'll take you about 45 minutes to read through the entire book. Not hard to do at all. But there is some gold in there as it pertains to life. And I like this because one of my favorite passages in the Bible, and it's written on the wall of my office, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And that's in James chapter 4, and we're going to go through that in a moment. And the reason why I find that so profound and so important, and the reason why it's been such a, a huge part of where the, you know, the stuff that I've gone through, is that if I truly believe that the Bible means what it says and says what it means, and I believe that God is great, and I believe that he is our creator, and he is our sustainer, and I believe that all these things that the Bible says about him, if I say that I believe that, I need to know that God is big and I am not. And if God is big and I am not, and God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud, I'll tell you what, I mean, maybe it's a really good idea then to not want to have the creator of everything's hand against you, but rather have his hand outstretched towards you. And if God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, I think it would be important to seek out humility or ask God to teach you how to be humble or learn how to walk in humility. And I think if God's hand could oppose us, if his hand does oppose the proud, I don't want to be that proud person that's just trying to run and run and run and make things happen and really have no headway because the creator has got his hand against me. I would rather be on the journey with God and have him walk alongside of me or carry me through those challenging seasons. And in order to do that, there needs to be a heart of humility rather than a heart of pride. So in James chapter 4, let's read this together. I'm reading from the ESV. At the beginning it says, warning against pride. So what causes quarrels and causes fights amongst you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend these things on your passions. You unfaithful people, do you not know that friendship with the world is opposition against God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the sorry he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, and that's echoed in Proverbs chapter three as well. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. <coughs> be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. 
The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brothers speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but rather a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, well, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this land or that land or this town or that town and spend a year there, trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow brings. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it just vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will live here and do this or that. And as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Anytime you'd like to, you can go back and, and reread that chapter. And I would encourage you actually to read the entire book. It won't take you long. You can do it this afternoon before you take your afternoon nap. But there's a lot of material there that talks about and focuses on the reality of who we are at times. The reality of who we are at times is selfish or self-promoting. We often will choose to elevate our positions over the opportunity to elevate someone else's. And a way to begin to deal with some of these things is first of all have a good understanding of who God is and who you are. And then in the midst of all that, making a choice to serve others well. Making a choice to accept humility or to be humbled. I like this. It says in Jeremiah, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. It is okay to have a high position. But how do you operate in that? How do you work within that? How do you lead and walk well through our community and through the world around us with a heart of humility? Romans 12, 17 to 19 gives us a piece of example that we can really take from and live in. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And have you ever had that done before? I'm going to read the rest of the passage in a second. But have you ever had, experienced that before where someone does something to you that's so horrible? Or it hurts you deeply? Or maybe says something about your character. And you just want to go and write a note back to them. Or post something on Facebook about who they are. Or make a point so everybody knows that they were wrong and you were right and they're just saying something bad about you and, and you don't have to take it and this is really who you are. What actually happens there? Are you elevating someone up in the midst of their challenges or are you making a decision to repay evil for evil? So I like this. It says, don't repay anyone. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Carefully consider what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Don't avenge yourselves, friends. But leave room for God's judgment. 
I think often we feel we need to defend ourselves or, you know, maybe we don't understand fully the value that we have in God's eyes, so we need to pump up our own value to people around us. Maybe we're not comfortable or confident in who God has made us to be, so therefore we are constantly seeking and drawing out and attempting to try to wear labels of what the world says we are. And we need to walk out forward through all of this in some level of advertisement. <coughs> but the reality is, is, we can begin dealing with the heart of pride when we know that we are loved by God. And if we know that we are loved by God, and he has given us our family around us, who cares for us and knows who we are, do we need to be concerned about the other pieces? I think at that point we can make a decision to simply choose as much as it's possible so as it depends on us to live at peace with people around us. We can choose to not let pride get in the way or allow pride to become a barrier for being humble before the world around us. C.S. Lewis says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less. He also goes on to say, a proud man is always looking down on things and people, and of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. It's important to remember and take stock of who we really are. Who are we? What do we know? We know that we are created by God and he loves us deeply. We know that we've got some basic instructions that we can all follow. Love God and, and love people. And it's funny how when our pride gets offended, we very quickly forget to love God and we start drawing away from people. Because these wounds creep up inside of us. Because pride really is an amplification of the fragility of our hearts. Pride is an amplification of the fragility of our hearts. When we're insecure, we don't know who we are. Maybe we haven't experienced or understood the fact that we are loved or cared for. And we want to do all that we can do sometimes to protect maybe the little bits and pieces that we've kind of got left in our heart that maybe we think have value. And we take people's words spoken to us very personally or actions done against us very personally. Rather than stopping and pausing and realizing that those types of displays that can cause hurt and that can cause pain often come from hurt and pain themselves. And perpetuating that hurt and pain by proudfully taking a stance against someone else does nothing to remedy the issue. Rather, what we can do is choose to humbly care for those that have hurt us or humbly minister to those who have spoken against us or make a decision daily to speak highly of those who have spoken poorly against us. To be people that are elevating others rather than tearing them down. 
Now, we all struggle with certain things, but I think pride is one of the ones that's the hardest to deal with. And pride has some of the most profound consequences. When we look back through the recordings that we see in Scripture of what happened in the heavenly realms, in the supernatural realms, in the unseen places, when Lucifer, the angel of music, wanted to be in charge and in a high position like God was, we saw pride well up and get in the way and cause destruction alongside of it. And, and if you look back to maybe perhaps the first sins, pride is the idea that maybe we know more than God or we want to be like him. And I think when those things start welling up, when we are in a position where we aren't willing to accept help or care, or in a position to choose to be vulnerable and bear our hearts. I like how it talks about in James here, have, being okay with your joy turning into mourning or your laughter turning into gloom. Walking through that, there's something important about experiencing those lowly moments. Because it does make us feel helpless. And I think there is something special about feeling helpless at times. It's in those lowly positions when we feel like we no longer have a grip on our circumstances and situations. We know that there are no solutions in front of us that can fix the challenges that are before us. And we are forced to almost be in a place where we have to call out. We have to ask God for help. We have to reach out to him and say, I don't know what to do anymore. I can't figure this out by myself. And what I love about God's character is that he is never far from us. We tend to be the ones who always run. And when we are faced with having to be in lowly positions, in those situations where we are humbled and made low, and we really feel like there is nowhere else to turn or go, there is opportunity to call out to God, and he has just been waiting for us to say, I need you, Lord. And the first time that happens can be very disheartening. You can think, oh man, I lost part of myself. And oh man, maybe I'm changing. I don't really know who I am anymore in the midst of all this. But there's something really special about being okay with floundering. There's something really special about being okay with not having it all together. And there's something really special about being okay hitting rock bottom. Because when you hit rock bottom, the only place you can go at that point is up. And I, and I believe, really, that, that our pride needs to hit rock bottom. And we can mask it, and we can fill in the cracks a little bit, and we can put on a new coat of paint, but at the end of the day, unless the issue is dealt with, the challenges will still arise. So when it comes to pride and putting it to death, where do you even start? How do you even begin? I'm sure you've heard me say this before. Something I learned from one of my Bible school teachers. He was actually the, the, the dean of the school. And I won't say the words that he said uh, because I'll probably get in trouble for it. He used more creative four-letter words than I'm going to use right now. But he said this, pride is crap. And do you want your heart full of crap? And when he said that, it caught my attention and it gave me pause and it helped me realize I don't want that in my heart. So how do I deal with it? 
Well, first of all, you need to identify the lies that you've been believing. That's really important. What lies have you been believing about yourself or about others? Maybe you think that if you admit that you're wrong about something, that your whole world is going to crash down. Probably won't. You might have a sleepless night or two. It's going to be fine. But what lies have you been believing? Next thing you can do is understand who God really is. He is great and we are not. If you want to write something on your mirror, in your bedroom, in your bathroom, wherever you want to put it, write down, God is great, I am not. And it will help you have a proper perspective of who you are. Understand yourself. The reality is that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That helps us take, not take ourselves so seriously. We just might be blue in the face, arguing mad, because we want to defend our position on something. But the reality is, God's great, you're not. The reality is that 20 minutes before your argument started with somebody else, you did something you shouldn't have been doing anyway. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can't take ourselves too seriously, but we ought to take God very seriously. Another thing that you can put into practice is making a choice to consider others more important than yourself. There is no therapy that I have found greater than going and helping people in need. Our ladies downstairs, they work diligently to serve people in our community who need food. And as the occasion arises, collecting some goods and making sure they're passed around as well. They work hard. And there is joy there, even in the midst of the challenges they face and the sorrowful moments that they share with one another and the the gut-wrenching stories you hear from the community about people that are in need and the helplessness that's often felt with really seeing the scope of the challenges and not knowing how to address them all. I, I watch our ladies downstairs as they work so hard and there is joy in their hearts and passion in what they do because they truly embody this belief that others are important. They have a heart of servanthood. That doesn't often exist in the world that we live in. We don't see it too often anymore, where there is simply and plainly a desire to serve. How can we help? Making a choice to clean toilets rather than wanting to have your name on a corner desk or corner office at a desk somewhere. Making a choice to get down in the mud and change someone's tire when they're stranded on the side of the street. There's something special about serving and there is no greater therapy for your heart than to serve humbly. So consider others to be more important. Another way to combat pride is to receive compliments well. And I wrestled with this one a little bit because um, I thought, well, isn't receiving compliments kind of a way of just having your pride puffed up? But I like the fact that there is something special about being okay with receiving kind words from others. It means that you are in a position where you may need to hear them. There's humility attached to being able to receive a kind word. And finally, the last two pieces that I want to look at here when it comes to how we deal with pride is, first of all, reminding ourselves of Christ's example often. 
Jesus didn't stand on his soapbox and try to get his points across. He <clears throat> humbly began preaching and folks began to follow, which is really interesting. But more than that, he was often choosing to go into lowly positions. We look at Jesus and we know that he was, first of all, our suffering Savior, but he was also our servant Savior. And he set a beautiful example of what it is to come alongside those who are broken and just be with them in the state of what they're dealing with. And if we ask ourselves often, who is Jesus and what is his character, we know that he possesses a character of servanthood and humility. It doesn't mean that he lacked boldness. But he possessed this beautiful piece of servanthood and humility where he washed his disciples' feet. And he came alongside to help up a woman who was caught in the midst of her mess. Where he realized that there was a need of feeding people in front of him. And he moved forward and presented opportunity and ability to do that. And finally, in order to understand Christ's example and understand his character, we need to meditate upon God's word. I would encourage you to begin reading your Bibles. Do that. And if you don't know where to start, start in the book of James. After that, go to John. After that, go to Acts. You start with some of those ones. They're short. They're easy to read. Start with some of those books and get them under your belt. But I believe that as we meditate upon God's word and we dig into what's there, we realize more than ever that God is great and we are not. And, and there is a desperate need for us to surrender to the Lord daily. And in that, our hearts begin to transform. Our characters begin to change. God begins to deal with the issues and root them out so that we can have a good clean field for the proper seeds to be planted in. And so as we close today I would just encourage you to do this. I encourage our staff to do this and I encourage people that we, we do mentoring with I encourage them to do this thing. I would encourage you to start journaling your journey. Worship team I'll ask you guys to go, go back up there. I would encourage you to start journaling your journey. And you know, for a lot of us, the issue to begin dealing with is pride. But maybe there's other stuff that you're facing today. Other challenges that you're kind of wrestling with and trying to figure out how to work through. What I would say is, first and foremost, ask God to reveal to you the state of your heart. And it doesn't mean it's going to be wonderful and rosy. There might be some stuff that comes up that's challenging to face. But if God does bring it up, it means it's time to deal with it. And if for you it's pride, don't let it take root even further. Ask God to humble you. And begin journaling your journey. Today I'm really wrestling with this. Today I'm really struggling with this. Today I got an argument and I fought all day long with my kids because I wanted to be right and I knew they were wrong and I didn't even say sorry and I made them feel terrible and I didn't even tell them I loved them. Maybe it's as simple as that. But begin journaling your journey 
of God taking you through what it looks like to have your pride diminished and hear your humility elevated. And I think when that starts to happen, some doors will begin to open in your life. I said earlier, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I think the more that you allow God to deal with the state of pride in your heart, you allow him to start shoveling out that garbage that's been in there for a long time. He is going to replace it with his spirit. And out of that will come fruit as he plants in the garden of your heart. What you'll start to see are changes that produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as you go through this journey of discovering where you're at and the things that you need to work on and deal with, I just want to leave you with a piece of encouragement that if you say yes to Jesus, he absolutely meets you where you're at, but he never leaves you where he found you. And so you can know that as you say yes to the Lord and yes, God, I know it's time to deal with these things. I don't know how, can you help me? You can be confident in knowing that he's going to meet you where you're at, but he's never going to leave you where he found you. And as you journal, it gives you opportunity to look back on what he has done and you can celebrate the good that God has accomplished. And for that, there's reason to give thanks. So let's close with a word of prayer and I'll invite the worship team to bring us to an end this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together this morning that we've had to reflect upon your word and reflect upon the states of our hearts. Lord, we ask that you continuously teach us to walk in humility with the world around us. We ask that you teach us daily what it looks like to allow our pride to be diminished and choose to walk in servanthood after you. Teach us to occupy the lowly positions, Lord. Teach us to be a type of people that help others, minister to them, that come alongside them in the midst of their challenges. Teach us to be a people that support and lift up and celebrate those that are hurting and broken. Teach us to be a people of, of encouragement and kindness. Teach us to be a people that as much as it's possible to live at peace with the world around us. We thank you for your example, Lord God. We thank you for your love. We ask that you bless your church today, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen.